The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. I cannot tell you the joy and uh, privilege it is to take a moment as we close this missions week. I find it an extraordinary gift of God's grace that he would allow me to be here and to praise him. First time I ever heard that song was at my son's rehab. Anyway, first of all, this has been a great week and I want to just take a moment to acknowledge and and all of us first of all let's remember there's a whole bunch of missionaries that have come here and given themselves to serve this week to connect with you and to give you opportunities to learn about the lord's work so those of uh, you who are still here could i ask any missionaries that are still here could you stand and we want to thank you let's just give them a Secondly, there's been a whole lot of people that have been working and praying. There's a lot that goes into a a missions conference. And so for all of those who have worked hard for this, we thank God and praise the Lord. And the Lord knows and he will reward you according to your faithful service to him. What we want to do right now is take the last few moments to talk about the subject of commitment. Life often is, is, is a series of different commitments. For example, when you get married, you're you're making a commitment and you're making some pledges and some promises and hopefully those commitments are well informed. You've thought about the cost, the privilege, and the benefits. But this morning we want to talk about a commitment that every Christian the Lord wants you to make. And so I want to, we're going to put up Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're just going to briefly look at this and it's not about Anybody could be speaking on this, but I can tell you this, there have been many, many people who have been deeply impacted by this verse. And they can look back to a point in time in their life where this was a turning point for them. In fact, I was sitting right about somewhere in there 41 years ago when a man spoke on this passage and it had a real impact on me, to which... Looking back, I believe that's one of the reasons why I'm standing here today. So, after you become a Christian, at some point, there's a, a, a place at which we come to a real awareness that I'm bought by God and that Jesus did not just die for me to spare me from hell, but that his redemption and his love for me on that cross, the joy set before him, It was very intentional that it would not just be to pardon me and then pick me up at the return of Christ, but that it would have a deep transformative influence on the way that I live the rest of my life. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Christ died for us so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. So when you look with me, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Just stop and think about that for a moment. The first thing I want to talk about is the starting point of surrender. This is a very thought-out, intentional decision. These people are already Christians, but he's asking them to make 
a starting, sincere surrender of their entire selves to God. Like, Lord, from this day forward, I am intending to live the rest of my life to do what you want me to do. I don't know what that looks like. I don't have all the answers, but I'm making a choice. God doesn't say, hey, just, just be with me in spirit. He's like, give me your entire body. So I want you to think about that. You either have done that or you have not done that. Or you did that when you were nine years old at camp and you stopped doing that, okay? But this morning as we close our missions conference, we want to think about this idea of what does it look like to surrender, first of all, my entire life to God, okay? This is a crisis. This is a, a big deal. This is not something you just, you know, choose something at, at, at the cafeteria. This is like a critical decision. Now, what should drive it? It says, by the mercies of God. God's not up there with a lightning bolt going, if you don't do this, give me a reason. Out of his amazing love, he sent Jesus. That's what changed my life. When I realized that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I could scarcely take it in, right? So having been bought by the blood of Jesus, and, and I don't know what you gave up, but for me, coming to Christ was all gain. I don't remember what I lost, but I sure remembered what I've gained by knowing Jesus. And it hasn't been always easy, otherwise everyone would be doing it. There's a reason why the road is broad that leads to destruction. But what a privilege to recognize that by the mercies of God, you're still alive, and if you're Christian, your future's secure. You are guaranteed heaven. And before you know it, we're gonna be pushing up daisies. So in between that time, God goes, look, here's what I want you to do. Take yourself by the neck, come up to my altar and present yourself to me. And that means I'm gonna determine when you get married, who you marry, where you live, what you do with your money, what job that you choose, what do you do with your spare time, what do you do with your recreation, who do you hang around with, where will you go to church? It's, it's not just, I'll give you a couple of keys, it's the whole ring. It's my private life, it's my personal life. And I get it, I know why that's scary because we all know what makes us happy and it's incredibly difficult to think that there's a being out there that wants to control me because he doesn't have my best interest in mind. He's gonna make me marry someone that I don't wanna marry or worse, he's not gonna let me get married and I'm gonna end up in the jungle and I'm gonna to have to sneak me and I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> That's not how God rolls. He says, look, here's what I'm asking you to do. Give me your life, trust me. I'm not gonna give you the playbook. Here's what's gonna happen. Just give me your life completely. Just be willing. I don't need your ability, just your availability. So whatever's keeping you from doing that, I get it for some of you like, but this is fun, this is fun. Can I tell you this? There's a lot of things that are fun, but the Bible says stolen bread is sweet till it turns to gravel in your mouth. And Moses came to a choice that he was gonna turn away from the passing temporary pleasures of sin to begin to follow the unseen Lord Jesus. And I encourage you, whatever it is that Satan is, is causing you to go, I'm not doing that. Stop it and go, there's no reason why, by the grace of God, I should not do that. In fact, Paul says, it's your spiritual service of worship. The King James Bible says, it's your reason. It's the least you can do. Good grief, he gave his life on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, right? But it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And so we're gonna call for that today. Now, that's the starting point. But, but if you make that, that commitment, that starting point, there has to be a sustaining practice, right? 
It's not just we're going to get worked up into emotional frenzy. We're going to have a little campfire here, and everybody's going to come up and cry and bloop, you know, throw your stake in the fire and go home. And there's no difference in your life. Some of you are like, how do you know my life? I remember that. I stopped beating up my brother for three days after I went to camp. <laughs> and I was really on a roll. I did the dishwasher for four days. But then I went right back to being the same selfish kid, right? So it's not just a, a starting point of surrender, but then it has to be sustained, okay? In the day-by-day, day, Paul says, look, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's, there's a starting point. Okay, God, I'm a little scared to do this, but based on where I am in my life, I realize that I owe it all to you, and, and, and I'm gonna let you determine my future, right? And the cool thing is you don't even need to figure out what God wants you to do. He already knows. Ephesians 2.10 says, he has good works prepared beforehand. He's not out there going, now what am I going to do? He's already got it figured out. He's just, are you willing? Will you meet me? Right? And it's hard. I get it. The songwriter said, we can never prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for all those who trust and obey. Listen, this is going to sound weird, but I, I think it would be a lot easier to say, present your body as a dead sacrifice, right? Just jump. It's over, right? Just jump in the fire. It's over. Now you're in heaven. It's harder to live as a living sacrifice because it starts with a decision, but it's sustained by a practice where I day by day now go, I got to be different. My starting point is meeting with my Savior, each day I'm learning how to please him. I'm learning from the word of God what it looks like to live the Christian life and to be transformed into the image of Christ. Lastly, it's a superior outcome. Real quick, think about this. So what if you go, I'm not doing that. I don't know, I'm not doing that. I can tell you this, the beaches of time are filled with Christian people who didn't do it. And you will not find a single one of them who says that was a good decision. I'm really glad now that I'm 90 or now that I'm with Jesus that I wasted my life. But I can also tell you this, you will never meet a person who did this and says, young people, don't do this. I'm warning you, this will not end well. Let's play the opposite game. What is the opposite of good? What is the opposite of acceptable? Unacceptable. What is the opposite of perfect? Imperfect. You can have it your way or you can have it God's way. God says, look, there's a superior outcome. If you surrender your life to me at a starting point, a critical decision, and then you sustain it in connection with other Christians, in the word and prayer, in the local church, here at Cairn, we'll help disciple you. The result is you will figure out and follow the will of God. And guess what? It's good. It's good. Because I can tell you this, if God wants you to eat snake meat, that'll be the best thing you ever ate because the Bible says God works in us to will and work for his good pleasure. If he wants you to be single, that'll be the happiest thing you ever did. So if you're worried about you have the gift of celibacy, if you're worried about it, you don't. Relax. God is not up there trying to punish you. He's saying, surrender to me. Stop Burger Kinging your life. Don't have it your way. It will not end well. I mean that with all my heart. With all my heart, I'm telling you, I had no clue that I, what am I doing up here? You have no idea. If you read the book of Proverbs, every time it said what a fool did, you might as well put my picture, right? <laughs> I'll just give you one. In my yearbook, you know where you put your aspirations? It said, own a resort in the Bahamas. 
wow, that's really cool. Mr. Allen, you were really an entrepreneur. Were you planning on going to college? Never thought about it. How are you going to make the money to buy a resort? Never thought about it. Because I was a fool. I cheated through school. I was wasting my life. And then God got hold of me and brought me to himself. And so early on, someone challenged me to do this. And I did it. And it's not because of me. It was the grace of God. But I promise you, you will not regret this. Okay? So what we're going to do now is you have a three by five in front of you. So number one, that starting point where you say, God, today I make this definitive decision to say, Lord, I'm going to stop living for myself and I'm going to surrender my future to you, right? If you've never done that, right, don't start writing. It's not a doodle card yet. I'll tell you what to write. But if you've never done that, this, this is, the Spirit's working. People are praying for you. Anybody could be, I'm just a conduit, but I... I can promise you God is speaking to you and me right now. Forget about me. This is God speaking to you. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you and saying, child of mine, I loved you. I shed my blood for you. I bought you. You in or out? You ready or not ready? We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Psalm 32 says, don't be like a horse or mule who needs a bridle. God will teach you. He will guide you. So if you have never made that decision, we're asking you to, 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 to say to the Lord, Lord, this day I choose to present the entire, who I am to you. I'm willing to, to find and fulfill your will for my life. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. Now, secondly, maybe some of you said, I did that, but, right? If it's an altar, and I've done this, God, I'll be right back. Some of you need to get back. Bring it on back, right? Recalculating. Doot, doot, doot. You've lost your way. You got the wrong people, the wrong priorities, the wrong practices. And God's not going to kick you to the curb. You're a child of God. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You'll never get a note from God that says, make a note of my new address. He never moves. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, your precious Savior, loves you so much. He's like, you coming back? So part of the reason, if you say, I already did that, but I'm not doing it now, is somewhere in that sustaining practice, you lost your way. The deceitfulness of sin, the desire for other things, you just got sucked into the world, and you're way off base. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you're ruined, you're a loser, you're a failure, you're on the shelf and God's done with you. The Lord is full of mercy. So come back, right? And if that's what you need to... Write down. You, you could say, Lord, I'm dedicating my life to you or put a little, I'm rededicating my life to you. But it's not a big dog and pony show. Or, but it's, it's just, Lord, here I am. And I'm willing to sustain that. So in just a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to let the Holy Spirit, because he's at work now. I want to shut up in a minute because I want to let him speak to your hearts. I believe he's doing that. And you're thinking, have I ever done this? Am I ready to do this? So what's it going to look like, Okay. For some of you, God may truly call you to, to leave this country, to go to a faraway land, right? Fifteen years ago, when I took a group of students to Spain, I came back, I said, I'm in. I'm gone. We're going. Honey, we're going. Pack your bags. We're going to Spain. And I told everybody. And my mentors, older godly men who were my pastors, who pastored and trained me, they said, no, you're not. I said, why not? And they said, get back in Cairn. 
Because the last 15 years, you've been influencing young people. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. And that's the only reason I'm here, because I'm willing to go. And I know some of you are willing to go. So God may not send you, but are you willing? What if, what if he's calling you to go to an unreached people? What if he's calling you to the inner city? What if he's calling you the safest, best, joy-filled experience you'll ever have is to be right in the middle of his will, doing what he wants you to do. So let's just take a moment, and here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna take that card, and there's a couple instructions. Number one, if you need a pen, we have pens. Who needs a pen? Uh, we have, in fact, the missionaries, they got their bundle of pens at the end. They're like, oh, I got 50 pens left. So we got plenty of pens. Paul, it looks like they're all penned up. I don't see anybody needing a pen, okay? So first thing I want you to do, write your name and your mailbox number on the envelope. Your name and mailbox number. You're like, I feel like I'm being trapped into something here. No, you're not. Also put your social security number and your bank number. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't need any of that. Just your name and mailbox number, okay? And then on that card, you're simply going to write your commitment to the, to the Lord. Write it as a prayer. Dear God, I commit myself, right? And, and, and when I help couples do their wedding, I go, you write your own vows. We'll do the traditional, but write your own vows. So I'm not going to tell you what to put. What's the Lord putting on your heart? Dear Lord, based on what I just heard from you, not from Mr. Allen, but what I just heard from you, here's what I'm committing to. Well, why do I have to write it down? What are you gonna do with it? Is it going on Facebook? Mm -mm. At the end of this semester, we're gonna put that card back in your box. Because Jesus told a parable once. He said, a man had two sons. And he said, go work in the field. And the one said, I'll do it. He filled out his card. And the other one said, I'm not doing it. But the one who said, I'll do it, never did it. When it was all said and done, lot said, little done. But the one who said, I'm not doing it, it says he repented and he did it. So we're going to write it down now and then you're going to get it back at the end of this semester and it'll be your chance to, to hear back from God. Remember what you said to me? How are we doing with that? So don't write what you don't mean. All right? So let's just pray for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit, all of us, what might he be asking you to do? It might be for some of you some deep repentance. You're in sin. You know it. He knows it. But whatever the Spirit's telling you, he that has ears to hear, listen to the Spirit of God right now and be praying that he will move. We're not going to read these, so you can be very personal. The worship team's gonna come and set up now. They're gonna lead us in just a moment. But finish your, finish your commitment. Then put that back in the envelope. We're gonna sing for a moment or so, and then we'll have our final prayer.
so much for today. Thank, oh, thank you for... I'm going to finish praying. Um, thank you that we could come together today and uh, just worship you, Lord. Um, help us to continue to put ourselves aside and to put you first, um, not just during worship, but every day and every moment of our lives. And I ask that you would just bless us this day and bless us this weekend uh, with the cold weather, um, that you'll keep us all safe. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Before you go, on the way out, we have big mailbox, like little white boxes that you can drop them in. But I want to tell you something. Last night, I felt such an oppression. 
I truly believe that the Spirit of God is moving in our midst. But this is a spiritual battle, right? Some of you are being still held captive by Satan, but we don't have to count how many people, you know, made a decision today. We'll see it. There will be revival on this campus. There will be prayer and holiness and the Spirit of God. So those of you who are all in, pray that this spreads like fire. Amen? By the power of the Spirit of God. God bless you. Father, may you bless these folks, each one of us. Keep us from evil. And may not a single person go out here broken and, and fearful and held captive. May the truth set them free. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Have a great day.